Okay, check. I'm on. I'm on. You on? I'm on. I'm on. Yo, yo. Yo, yo. K dog. Check, check. Check, check. I'm up and running. So yeah, um, <laughs> yesterday would yesterday would not have been a good day to record. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, the Monday night fun. Is uh. A little hard for Tuesday morning work. <laughs> I know it. I know it. It was. It was a. It was a fun time, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's always. It's always fun. I always have a good time. Uh, when when I got out and saw a bunch of those guys dressed up like us, that was. <laughs> <laughs> it made it made my night. <laughs> and Justin, Justin was a, a dead ringer. I kept, I kept uh, when I was talking. You know, I was talking to him. I'm like, okay. And then you, I kept thinking, was Larry. <laughs> yeah, Justin, man, went to the barber, got got the, <laughs> the shape and haircut and everything. Nailed it. He, he was all in. <laughs> Nothing like those TGDP fans, I tell you. Top notch. Big thanks to all the people out there tuning into the Zoom parties. And I uh, I watched a couple of those Diver Ed shows. They're they're really quirky and funny. Yeah, he just narrates, you know, some dive footage and acts a little goofy. He's got that that voice of his, yeah. you know, like a, that slow, chill. Yeah, whatever may come at you, you know, <laughs> unassuming voice. And he's like playing around with. He's got this little toy hard hat diver with him in the water. <laughs> I could easily see it being like a little. Uh, 10 minute little short like as as part of a saturday morning children's tv <laughs> hour you know you know like on the uh remember the Wee herman show yeah yeah like I, I could see this being like a 10 minute short like as as part of the the Wee herman show let's go check in with diver ed <laughs> it wasn't that where uh lawrence fishburne got to start yeah right right yeah yeah wasn't he the mailman or something no he was the cowboy you the remember cow- that he was the, <laughs> the cowboy. cowboy that's right that's right so where are we? What's our um what are we we're gonna, are you gonna try to segue me into it without telling we're me? We're gonna what do it is? a um we're gonna do an old skin diver lesson learned. We're gonna do a uh, it's about assuming and if you don't know something you should ask. Should we get right into it, you think? Yeah, yeah. So did you end up getting in the water this weekend with your daughter? Yeah, we did get in the water. We went for a uh quick jaunt. Yeah, you jumped in on Sunday, right? Yeah, I think it was Sunday. Yeah, I did that. I had yeah. that guy hire me to hire me to help him sort out some shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on uh, quote unquote. By the way, that's uh, that was his quote on Saturday. So I went down to the quarry with him for the day, did a couple dives. How, how was the quarry, uh, viz wise and and uh, population wise? Medium, medium as far as popularity and busyness. Decent. In regards of there being a pandemic, pretty light for a early August, you know, sunny quarry weekend. Yeah, I think that no pool thing's taken a taken its toll on the open water instruction. Yeah, for a lot of places, yeah. I, I think you're seeing one of two things. You're seeing people that have just become so laid back in education that they are certifying people in the droves. Like, you know, Chris was telling me that. There was a shop that went down to the quarry that brought like over fifty people. Jesus Christ! And they were just going to knock 
knock them out in the weekend, like everything. Classroom, shallow water, confined water, you know, pool, but like in yeah. the quarry on like one of the new training docks, open waters, everything, zero to hero weekend. Wow. Well, so that, you've got that you've got that on one end of it, and then yeah. you've got the people that are trying to do the opposite, getting stuck, and it's tough. Crazy times, man. Yeah, I'm just curious what type of quality of education you can get when you go zero to hero in a weekend with 50 people being cattle herded through the class. Well, right, right, and I think that's uh, very much the point, right? Yeah. And the overall long-term quality of that education you're right. going to see. Because this is a, a perfect example. of. So the guy that I, I went with got a, you know, a dry suit certification a couple years ago. And it was your typical instructor's going to be out at the quarry. The instructor's also the guy that sold him a dry suit. Hey, swing on by. And you know while I'm doing this other class, I'll, I'll show you how to use your dry suit and get you your dry suit cert. And it was a go down. <laughs> don't get don't get crushed. Don't pop to the surface on the way up. Uh-huh. Follow us around or go do your own thing. You know, if you're if you're packing up a gear, you know, and you're still alive, I'll I'll hand you a card before you leave. Interesting. That's not much more than you could do yourself, right? Yeah, and I think a lot of people are getting that nowadays. Mm-hmm. It, I, I I should say it, it's factual data, actually. <laughs> That yeah. I can confirm, yes, people are still getting that education. I think you're seeing it more in these times right. is what I'm afraid of. Well, the regulations, rules, directives, whatever you want to call these things, kind of prohibit a real class. <laughs> you know? <laughs> they prohibit well, a can, lot of the necessary it, just, elements. Yeah, I mean, you can do it. It's just it takes more work. And, uh, and a lot of people are just yeah, ignoring the more work and you know finding a way around the standards as much as possible. Yeah, but the thing about that is the standards are a certain way for a reason, and when you work around them, you preclude the reason, or you uh, basically <laughs> take the standards and chuck them. But I think it's tough to to follow the directives and stay in standards. It's tough, if not impossible. Well, yeah, and, and the only one that it ultimately hurts is the student. Yes. Yeah. Right, because at the end, I mean, here this, here this guy, you know, is coming to me. He's got half a dozen cards, you know, advanced, yeah. rescue, specialties, you know. So he's not just an open water diver, right? But just like getting into the water, because we weren't doing an official class. So I said, all right, well, what are you going to do for the plan? And he looks to me like, uh, go, whatever you tell me to do, go down, swim around. <laughs> Well, yeah. Come up with some air. (laughs) Like that's like the assumption that like so many people have is what are you you doing for the dive? Well, I'm going to turn my air on. Hopefully you check it. And then I'm going to look at my computer the rest Mm. of the dive. Uh, Do what it says. Yeah. That's a lot of assumption. (laughs) A ton of assumptions. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I guess that's – I guess we're lucky in a way that – we are in, in 2020, or I, I should say, I guess this guy's lucky that he's in 2020. 2020 is great to be in. Where you have the level of dive computers yeah. that can do a lot of that for you nowadays. But still, like, I, I, I'm still in the water of the assumption. Like, if I have an assumption, it's that everything's going to shit, no right. matter how good I have stuff. Exactly. Whereas people are taught to have the assumption of, Everything's going to be taken care of. Just go have fun. 
Yeah, the old uh, third partner. You always have that third partner. At least two people. And if you, even if you're diving solo, there's two people. That Murphy's Law. Murphy's always with you. Something's going to go wrong at the worst possible time. Right? So. Yeah, right. If you assume that versus the exact opposite, which is nothing's going to go wrong, you are prepared, hopefully, a little bit better when it does. You know, by the way. Yes. Going back to our Zoom party last night where we all came dressed up as our favorite character from Pandemic Madness yes. 2020. And I would like just like to say that Tom had a had a pretty good <laughs> <laughs> pretty good Brando. He had a pretty good Brando going. Yes. But there's there's a one-liner that he didn't use. Like of all the Brandoisms and <laughs> and, and speeches that uh, that that he he tried to copy Monday yeah. night. The Murphy's Law one. He always got. You uh, always got. Th- there's one that he could have thrown in there. I'm- definitely, definitely. That's the uh, signature rant slash ism, I guess. But he had the. He had the good. He had a couple yeah. of the good ones of the. I was impressed. He 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 uh, sent me a little message afterwards. He's like, "Hey, hey, no offense." <laughs> I was like, "No, I was impressed. No, no offense taken. He was spot on, man." <laughs> Yeah, it was good. It was good. Hawaiian shirt. Well, he's, he's better looking than uh, than. Well, I did have hair. I wasn't as horrible as I am now, but yeah. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast. You're here with your I'll make an ass out of you and me, Brando. (laughs) (laughs) And you're always assuming Jamesy. I thought that was uh, only this. See, I learned that little thing in the military. I thought it was a military thing, but uh, because they got in your face about that assume thing. You know, I just assumed. Never assume, you know. I remember uh, learning that in sixth grade. Really? By nice. my teacher, my social studies teacher. Did he have a, a drill instructor hat on? Drop down. It was, a, it was a lady. It, it was a it was a lady. She had it written on the chalkboard. Chalk. That's how ah. far back we go. Ass you, you me. me. Like written written in big bold <laughs> so letters good. on the chalkboard right before we were starting some project. She was never <laughs> assume. <laughs> because when you do you make an ass out of you and me. And I, yeah. I was like, this is the coolest teacher ever, man. <laughs> she said ass. <laughs> yeah, I can remember the first teacher that swore at us. 
And uh, it was in sixth grade, and we were doing some kind of fundraiser thing. I can't remember what. And, and she had an envelope of money set on her desk, and it was missing. She couldn't find it. So she has this big, serious meeting, and she starts crying and saying, who took this fucking money, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right? And then one of the kids walks up and goes and, li- like, lifts up one of her books and goes, it's right here. <laughs> <laughs> She uh, felt she felt so bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just dropped the f bomb. Uh huh. Like I, I mean, our woodshop teacher swore all the time in class. Well, it kind of goes with the stereotype, right? He My, he was like the class. I've got three stereotype. fucking fingers. Why? <laughs> you don't want three fucking fingers. <laughs> yeah, he was too. We 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 came into shop class one morning, and he was like in the uh, the painting room. Like where you would, you know, yeah. varnish and lacquer. So like right. hung over, like passed out on the table, <laughs> <laughs> like super shit face. He's like, you guys just go sand something. Don't lose a finger. Leave, leave me alone. That's classic. Those were the days. But hey, listen. If you don't know, you should ask. True. And I, I think that was, that's um, kind of my point a, a little bit of talking to this guy over the weekend. Like, you can't just get in the water and go diving like without any plan, any gas plan, and any understanding of of the end of the dive if things aren't going well. I mean, I mean that's the way I plan stuff, right? I'm assuming. I'm going to be on limited resources at the end. So in order for me to make sure I can have a fun, laid-back, relaxed dive, I overplan it with the assumption that things are going to be bad at the end. And then when I get to the end and I've got way more resources than I need, I know I can chill and relax. Versus just jumping in, looking at my computer and hoping everything's going to be okay. To me, that's like a really like 1980s way of diving. Right. 880s. It, 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 blows my, it blows my mind when I still see people in 2020 jumping in the water with that mentality. Yeah, I think that's a hard one to get rid of, though, because I, as, as we were alluding to a little earlier, it, it goes back to their training. I think that's how they were trained. And uh, very much so back in... Back in the days of decades past. Back in the days of Cindy Lauper. Back, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, back in the days when girls just wanted to have, have fun. fun. <laughs> Not like today. They don't want to have fun today. A little bit of Duran Duran, Cindy Lauper. And... So let's go back to the days where Brando was hungry like the wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. And uh, we're going to look at this old skin diver of an issue that you would you would think and you would wish issues like this were long in the past. But again, this is like the assumptions that so many people still have. They just kick back and they get complacent with their gear and they get complacent with an instructor or a dive master in the water with them. 
that they're going to be taken care of and they, they don't, they're not proactive with thinking and planning and diving for themselves. And it's still there. Yeah. Well, complacency is easy and that's why it's prevalent. So it's easy to get complacent. I like getting complacent, not with my diving, but with other things. I I love getting complacent with pretty much everything other than <laughs> like diving is the one thing I like just when you're defying so many laws of human life by being underwater like where where every single thing about the activity you're doing for the next hour or so nature is trying to kill you right you you can't be complacent that's the one time you yeah. definitely can't be complacent remain vigilant underwater but in other things, complacency is not so bad. Yeah, when yeah. you get back on the boat, have somebody do something for you. I, <laughs> exactly. get, I get it. Just throw your stuff around. <laughs> this is written by Doug Perrin. Old Doug Perrin. When the owner of a diving operation on Florida's East Coast asked me if I had like to come on one of her weekly shark dives, I had no qualms about accepting the invitation. In my days as a spear fisherman, I'd had plenty of experience with sharks. After having taken up photography, I was itching to get pictures of sharks. I assumed... The dive would be on a 60 to 80 foot deep reef as most of the dives in the area. Assume. Now there's an interesting word. Notice how many times it crops up in this story. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, 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 ho. I assumed the sharks would pose for me. I assumed they signed their photo waivers. I assumed the sharks would know their good side. <laughs> <laughs> I assumed they would know I was on a 24 roll of film, not a 36 exposure. <laughs> And had limited photo opportunities. I assumed the sharks would know to be over here where the lighting was better. Sharks. I also assumed, Mr. Dougie says, that it would be a drift dive. And in this, I was correct. I'd done this a couple of times before, so I knew how it worked. I thought, since I wouldn't be wasting any energy kicking, I assumed the 2,000 PSI in my 72 cubic foot tank would be plenty for whatever profile we did. I carried the tank past the fill station and put it on the boat. <laughs> really? <laughs> really now now mid 80s yeah. 72 pretty pretty typical so the guys i mean i guess my whole thing is you're, you're going into a dive that you're assuming a lot and you're 10 percent lower than what you you know it's rated capacity yeah so he's in a 72 which is a 2250 psi bottle mm -hmm. that with the 10 percent overfill 2450 is where it's at the full 72 cubic feet. So, yeah, he's starting with 60 cubic feet of gas, basically. 
Yeah. So that's not a lot of gas. I don't know. When well, you- okay, so let's uh, let's look at that. You know, going back to you know what I, what I'm dealing with over the weekend, like. Yeah. What are you What are you going to do for a gas plan? Uh, come up when uh, it's time to come up. When is that, and why? Like, I mean, to me, like that's a very normal question. When do I have to come up, and why do I have to come up? Well, because I'm underwater, <laughs> breathing a gas that's keeping me alive. I need a certain amount of it to get home. Right. So, what is that minimum amount I have to have? Versus the the thinking back in these days was. You're going to need a couple hundred PSI to do some safety stops. Maybe, yeah. Uh, I guess my thing, too, is you're already assuming it's a 60 to 80-foot dive and you're working with a camera. How much time do you think you're going to get with these uh, with these sharks? Right off the bat, I'm like, what the hell? Well, what would hang you on. If somebody well, hang on, up? hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, yeah. hang on. Okay. Don't get too worked up in this part this is, yet. I'm it gets that. better. It gets better. I mean, as as the person that invited him, I would go, what the hell, dude? You assumed Listen. it was a 60 to 80 foot dive. Even that with 2000 and a 72. You're only on the fourth use of the word assume. We've got a lot to go. We've got okay. a lot to go. I can tell I'm going to be fit to be tied Kick here. back. <laughs> Kick back and get complacent in your uh, ch- swivel chair with your coffee cup. It gets better. I assumed uh, the 72 cubic foot tank at 2,000 PSI would be sufficient, right? Uh, so on the way to the dive, or on the way to the dive site, the dive master began the briefing. I squinted at the lad as he began his speech. He looked like he was fresh out of his instructor course. And probably not a day more than 20. (laughs) He had 101 dives. (laughs) (laughs) What could the young upstart have to say that could be of any value to someone such as myself with years of diving experience? My eyes began to widen as he explained that this was to be a deep decompression dive 140 feet for 20 minutes with 20 minutes of decompression. My first thought was, I didn't have enough air. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't have enough air for the dive you thought you might be doing. (laughs) My second thought was, he's looking at me. Try not to look scared. In retrospect, I provided proof of a psychologist statement I had read in a magazine article that most people would rather die than look foolish. The dive master continued his briefing, mandating that we were to dive as a group rather than in buddy teams. After 10 minutes, the no decompression limit would be reached, and anyone who didn't have 1,000 PSI should go straight up to be picked up by the boat. After that, you were committed for the entire dive and decompression time. Hmm. So if you're in 140 feet yeah. and you have 1,010 PSI, 
<laughs> you're okay. <laughs> you've you've got another ten minutes at yeah. 140 feet, plus ten minutes of decompression in 20 feet. If you're at 990 psi, though, you have Time to, to go. go. Right? Yes, that's the cutoff. Yeah. Well, where do we start? Where do you, there's just uh, there's a lot of holes in that plan. But you know, looking at this, the 72 with a thousand psi in it, you're talking 31 cubic feet, maybe. At 140 feet, it's not. It's not much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and if you like do the math, like 140 feet of water, you know, over five atas, right. breathe in a normal consumption rate, you're going to use 40 cubic feet of gas just on that 10 minutes I was from the say, 10 minute it, mark to the 20 minute mark. Yeah. Hey, the, the, so five atas at 0.75. It's 3.75. That's almost four cubic feet a minute. You have about eight minutes before you're totally empty. That's at a, you know, 0.75, yeah, semi-conservative. Right. Yeah. And some people will say, I've got a 0.5. And I'll say, well, that's cool. But even a 0.5, you're, you're at yeah. 2.5 a minute. Uh, yeah, yeah. And you've got, <laughs> you got 12 minutes. <laughs> you got 12 minutes. <laughs> right? Come on. That's 12 minutes till you're empty. That's not 12 minutes. That's 12 minutes till you're sucking a vacuum on it. Yeah, needing to share gas. Right. Which is, which is where you, you know, you, you can understand where, where this is where the, the spare air mentality, the, po- the pony bottle mentality right. originated from was because everybody was sucking their back gas down to zero. They needed that emergency bottle to go to back in these 1980s days that, that's why like i'm i have this conversation of like it's 2020 now like we can think past bailing to a emergency bottle by starting the dive with a logical gas plan and taking the gas you need we have that ability today <laughs> well i think they had that ability back then they just didn't pursue it they didn't take part in it they were complacent. They were complacent. Yeah. I knew I didn't have enough air for all of that. So <laughs> you, you're right. He was complacent. <laughs> but I saw no reason to cut the dive short at 10 minutes. <laughs> I don't need air. Who needs air? I don't need no stinking air. <laughs> I could just separate the air from the water. Yes. Well, you have that. I have that one, too. I would just continue until I started to run low, go up, and do my decompression, then surface. I had been planning my own dives for years, and I could handle the situation. I assumed the reason they asked people to surface at 10 minutes or stay with the group was that they thought we couldn't figure out our own decompression, or we would be afraid to do it alone. I could have asked, but that might have made me look foolish. So I kept my mouth shut and didn't advise him of my low air supply. No need to worry him and especially not let him think I was worried. Well, James, if you were the instructor, would you let someone go down on a steel 72 under your supervision to 140 feet? 
Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. (laughs) Much less. And like, like if I did, like, if I was that naive of an instructor, I would hope that I had the, a little bit of the foresight to know and be able to see the blinking neon arrow Mm -hmm. sign pointing at this is going to be my problem on the dive. Right. But probably if you're the the instructor that would allow someone to do that dive, you're at the same time also going to make the assumption that he must be really good on gas. That's why he's only using half a filled 72. Yeah. Yeah. Right, but people did that shit all the time back in the day. Like, just yeah, I know. Assume that. Oh, he's got uh, he's got the tank with the J valve on it. At least he's got the reserve. <laughs> he's got the reserve. He'll be fine. He'll be good. He's got five hundred at least. <laughs> if the J valve works and it's not accidentally turned on, <laughs> yeah. On the dive, I found I had to swim hard to keep up with the group. Oh wow. There's excuses, excuses. (laughs) Right? He's got his current. He's got his camera. Mm -hmm. With my inexperience in this type of diving, I hadn't yet learned to rise off the bottom to ride the current faster to catch up. At 140 feet, the density of air was making it a lot of work just to suck air out of my regulator. And I was breathing pretty hard. Nevertheless... At 10 minutes, I had, well, almost had 1,000 PSI. <laughs> I decided to stay a couple of more minutes to try and get some pictures, then head up to 10 feet and do a few minutes of decompression under the red surface float. Hmm. Hmm. I remember a time going to Cozumel, like when I was a young kid, like 21 20, 21, 22, something like that. And we had a guy in the group that, you know, we were doing a wall dive and I remember looking down and he was down easy 140 feet as I think where he was like he, you know, back in, this was, yeah, like early nineties days, mm-hmm. you know, going to go get that record on my computer. And like he dropped down and then basically shot right up to 15 feet. <laughs> you know so his whole dive yeah. was whoop, down and i thought it was dumb back then because he didn't get to see any of the, of the stuff that we saw on the dive because right but he, he got just went he got to look at up. his his computer and just, right and say look i did 140 today what'd you do <laughs> correct so <laughs> so he had that yeah. you know badge of honor to wear at least <laughs> badge of honor bragging rights uh right this is a whole different level of going to 140. Yeah. And, yeah. and making a, a litany of, of mistakes. By this time, I was getting cold. <laughs> uh, in no time, I was down to 800 PSI and went over to signal the dive master that I was going up. He shook his head, pointed to his watch, and held up first one finger, then two fingers. I assumed he was trying to tell me that we 
that we would be going up in one or two minutes. <laughs> so like like so you come up and you, you you're swimming over to me and you you give me hey i'm going up and i look at you i go one two right are you, you is this what, what you're getting to like uh like like one or two just one or two more minutes you'll be fine is is the i can i can see him making that assumption well yeah but Basically, I'd be going. What are you talking about? What are what is what does that mean? <laughs> One, two. <laughs> well, no, I, I'm gonna go like this. Like, go well, bye bye. Well, I yeah, you would think you'd go bye bye, but yeah. you also go. Well, I haven't been making any good decisions yet. So why the hell should I start now? I start now. Yeah. I thought of asking him to write out his message on my handy slate, and I thought of showing him my gauge. But I decided to, you know, just act cool and wait for him to bring the group up. I realized, though, that every minute I stayed down, I was not only using more air, but also adding to the time I would have to decompress. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> right? Yeah, Scuba 101. So, what do you do? What does he do? Like... He hangs around, You're doesn't the, he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course he hangs around, but he doesn't want to use up all of his air. So what does he's, he do to hang around? He stops breathing. <laughs> he just stops breathing. He's gonna go. He, oh, he goes up a little? <laughs> he's going to go up. Yeah, he's going to go up a little. Yeah. Get, I'm just going to say he's a little bit shallower. Yeah. Well, not a totally dumb maneuver with all the other maneuvers, but still not the most smart thing to do to stay with the dive yeah, yeah i'm gonna go from uh you know five at us to four at us okay <laughs> so i use less air it does accomplish that but a by little the same bit token, yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah it's not enough no it's not like from going 100 up to 30 right right so i tried to stay above the group but now I discovered the layered current effect. To avoid flying past everyone else, I had to stay at the same depth. My air dropped to 600 PSI, then 400 PSI. Now I was at a critical juncture. <laughs> you know. When you use the word juncture. <laughs> this juncture. That yeah. you you are at a bit of a crossroads. <laughs> and there is when, you know, you uh you see the devil sitting on a little stool playing a little <laughs> bit of the old acoustic six string. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes did he swallow you his want pride? Uh, you wanna come to the surface and live. Old Dougie. You're going to have to make a deal with me. <laughs> so Doug says, I wasn't sure I had enough air left to do my decompression. If I went up alone, there would be no octopus for me to grab if I ran out. The other choice was to stay down until someone came up with me. So I could yeah. use up their air <laughs> because they're all on the same plan of literally uh -huh. 
every one of these guys is going down with the die plan of you're going to suck every damn PSI out of this bottle. By the time you finish a 40-minute dive on a single tank to 140 feet of water. So what what this story needs is some guy coming up to him saying they're out of air. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, sorry, buddy, me too. Both of us. <laughs> that's the classic, yeah. the double, the double out of air signal. That's Murphy right there. That is Murphy. Right, right. I swam to the dive master's side, picked up his octopus, and shoved it in my mouth. Still trying to look cool and collected. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dudes, <laughs> watch, watch what uh, I know how to do. See, this is a see. Now, this is a trick that I learned back in my dive master days when I was a young dive master at the shop. Is you know we we were doing like a lot of open waters back in the day, and we were doing an easy four dives to a student's one. Yeah, and you're trying to stretch out your tank, right? You know, the whole time because you're just eating up time getting out, changing tanks, and the instructor would be, you know, pissed off that you're holding up the group. So the students all had fresh tanks and they were only doing, you know, 20, 25 minute dives. So you would, as they were swimming from site one to site two, <laughs> you'd you'd, go you'd grab the, the octopus was dangling between their legs yeah, anyways yeah. the whole time. You, you grab their octopus and, <laughs> you know, Suck on yeah. their tank, you know, until uh, they got over there. And then you'd switch to another one while they're sitting over there doing skills and, yeah. you know, to get your tank to last as long as possible. Yeah, you figure six students, you take a, a hundred out of each one. They ain't going to miss it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and then if anybody caught you, you'd like, you'd just stuff it, it back in. You know, <laughs> just checking, you know, it was, it was dangling. I saw your thing and I, I put it back in the hole, <laughs> little hole in there and give a little pat. Uh-huh. Hey, you're good to go. <laughs> Just check that, that out for, for you. you. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> Don't forget to tip the dive master. <laughs> they work for tips. Remember that. When I checked my new host's air supply. <laughs> he was at 400. <laughs> I flipped. I had assumed he would have plenty. <laughs> he is the dive master. <laughs> He's the dive master, right? After all, that's what he was there for, right? Nope. He had the same Steel 72 that everyone else had. And he was down to 700 PSI. Hmm. We were still at 140 feet. And there was no way there was enough air for both of us. I knew that was happening as his regulator began to screech. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Trying to pull the gas. Yeah. What was that one regulator that used to quack? Oh, yeah. uh, Scuba Pro. That uh, Yes. Was it the Mark 7? Yeah. That had the the vibrating. Right. When it got uh, low? Yeah, yeah. That was your warning that you're getting low. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. The death rattle of sorts. Yes. <laughs> Last thing I heard before I died was the squacking rattle of a scuba pro rag. Hey, you're about to die. My lungs screamed for air, and my head grew dizzy. I'd seen divers panic before, 
and it was not a pretty sight. I lowered my head so no one would see my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) And I slowly Uh, just stopped breathing. I just (laughs) drifted off. I went up a little, and then the fast current, they took me away. Nobody even knew I was gone. Uh, So no one would see my eyes force the faceplate off my mask. Breathe slowly, I told my body. No way, my body answered back. (laughs) You just condemned me to spend the next 50 years in a wheelchair. I'm not taking orders from you anymore. (laughs) The, The dive master's gauge was dropping like a barometer in front of a hurricane. We had already passed the 20 minute mark and we're still. Uh, we had already passed the 20 minute mark and still he was rising so slowly that I knew we would never reach the surface at 120 feet. He was down to 400 PSI. And at that rate, I was breathing. I would empty that tank and convert the air into crippling nitrogen bubbles in about five breaths. Hundred and twenty feet, two people <laughs> on four hundred PSI at four hundred PSI <laughs> on a seventy-two. Yeah, that's not going to last long. You know, I think the listeners probably, at least some of the newer ones or younger, younger ones, I should say, they probably think this is a rare. This is like a oh, this is so a much of this a, is a, a one-off freak, story. Yeah. yeah, a freak accident. No, this this is. Like the standard almost. This is the, a lot of what they did is the normal in the industry, especially back then. And for some people still, you know, a lot of the the decision making, a lot of the preparation or lack thereof, that was the normal. And I think it still is with, with, with many, right? Now, listen, I'm, I'm not going to give away the ending yet. Uh-oh. But I would assume that. <laughs> because, Here we I go. would assume, because that's the nature of this article, right? That the readers, because they can tell that it's in first person, he survives. Yeah. Right. But this is the classic never gets reported accident. Right. Right. That that never makes it to the statistics in the past. No. Because, I mean, because our statistics of, because, are great. Because a miracle's about to happen. Right. A giant And air then bubble. we go, what is the, what is, what do we really learn from this? Was well, it, I'm going to, I'm going to say because although this story was written in 1988 and there was another, another article like this in 89 and in 90 <laughs> and in 1991 <laughs> and in 1992, yeah. all the way up to 2018, 2019, 2020. Yes. It's not like you don't still hear these stories that nothing was really learned right. in, the big, in the big picture. Well, because it sets the new bar, you know, <laughs> I lived... So the analysis of it gets a little skewed, like, oh, I should have just brought a full 72. And that's really only part of the problem. 
right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. that, would that really fix it? But that's what the person is probably learning. I mean, I'm not going to pretend to know their mind, but after being in this community slash industry for, for 35 years, I see how the analysis go, and uh, they're, they're off the mark. But I, as far as a miracle happened... I was yeah, going to say, can we I'm, get um, can we get the the sound of the, the heavens miracle. opening ah! and angel, angels singing? Like, ah! I, I was gonna I was gonna go a different route. I was gonna go more of uh, Hollywood, like the Abyss, and I'm not gonna say it was aliens. <laughs> I'm not saying it was aliens, but it, it was aliens, wasn't it? The big spaceship just came up off the ground. Remember how they he got to he got lifted up. He didn't have yeah. to decompress or anything. Came up, everybody lived. Oh, was, oh this is great! <sighs> so the whole group, all on steel seventy twos at one hundred and forty feet on four hundred psi, are all going to be <laughs> lifted up by a spaceship. There's a there's a loophole in the story. <laughs> That's the only possible answer. It's your artistic license. You, exactly. you can take the story any way you want. Suddenly. My savior appeared. The owner of the operation must have been alerted by the clouds of bubbles and swam over with octopus outstretched. This woman was well known for her ability to spend long periods of time underwater without any appreciable consumption of compressed air. True to form. She's very popular. What did I learn from this story? (laughs) Always Always swim by Susan. True to form. She still had more than one half of a tank left. My breathing rate slowed as we ascended to the 10-foot decompression stop. After more than 20 minutes at this depth, we surfaced, and I reveled in the smell of fresh air and the ability to move my arms and legs. What about the poor dive master? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, He's crippled up. He's floating down. (laughs) That's uh, next month's story. On the boat, I asked the dive master why he hadn't let me surface when I first indicated that intent to him and why he kept us down so long after telling me we would go up in one or two minutes. <laughs> that's, that's not what he was saying at all. He was knocked out of his gourd, first of all. You owe me a beer or two when we get to the surface. <laughs> <laughs> I told you to go, you owe me one or two beers for not going up at a thousand. That's what I was telling you. I didn't mean you couldn't go up, he said. I was just telling you that you had to decompress at 10 feet. That was the one finger. For for 20 minutes. That was the two fingers. Look, watch. No, Brando, you're not paying attention. Watch, watch. Just watch. 10 feet. <laughs> Four. For 20 Three. minutes. This is clear as day. Yeah. Okay, you see, you got this? Got it. Where I don't know what I was thinking. It was the one or two beers. I don't, I don't know which one is, is more difficult to assume is real. The, uh, no, I'm telling you, it's not one or two beers. It's 12. <laughs> you owe me a 12-pack of beers. <laughs> You're not just getting off with one or two, you son of a bitch. You almost ruined the dive. That's a whole. This is a whole twelve pack violation. Ay ay ay. He also explained why divers were asked to surface at ten minutes if they weren't prepared to stay the whole dive. The faster current at the surface 
makes it almost impossible to stay above the divers on the bottom. So any diver decompressing by himself is swept away from the group and away from the float and may miss being picked up by the boat. Good time to explain that is after the dive, right? The James now definitely would just be looking at this plan and go, uh, this isn't a good plan. From the, even the dive master's perspective, it's not a good plan. <laughs> Everybody no. in 72s, 140 <laughs> feet, half feet, whoever wants to go up after 10 minutes, go ahead, or before 10 minutes. After that, you're down for the duration. Well, what happens if something happens? <laughs> yeah, like if, um, so let's just look at the numbers real quick. You're at over five atus, right? You're 5.2 atus. I would say, say 0.6 sat, right? With the 0.6, you can just say three cubic feet per minute as a general, very conservative too. There you, you go. Say? There you go. Yep. So we got three cubic feet a minute times 20 minutes that we're going to spend on the bottom. So they know that they're going to need 60. <laughs> almost that whole entire 72 just for what they want to do on the bottom if everything goes perfect. Right. So again, in these days of the, this 1980s thinking of just go down to get low on gas and come up, we want to do a 20-minute a, a dive at 140 feet. In 2020, you go, well, just in very quick math, that, that doesn't add up. Mm-hmm. But that's where I was saying earlier is like these people are still getting in the water with 1980s thinking. It's still occurring today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right? Let alone dealing with the current and let alone making sure you've got enough time to do the decompression that you want to do, having that gas available for you. Not even mention, you know, breathing air at that depth or, or having your own marker buoy uh, in, in case you do get separated from the buoy. You know, it was, mm-hmm. a lot of things you're starting to see come into education nowadays. But out on the field, out on dive boats, you still see things get get resorted back to this 1980s practice. Yeah. Well, you know, it was like uh, you would take flack. You know, I, I know I would take flack for I dive my twins almost all the time just because I'm used to diving them. I uh, It's easy for me. I, I keep it, you know, all ready to roll. But... You know, you take a lot of flack. Wow, that's a that's overkill for a hundred foot dive. I do this dive on a seventy two all my life. You know, in in a five mil wetsuit, and you know, here I am in twins and a dry suit, and you know, my marker bag and spare mask that I take on every dive. Well, okay, I guess that's cool, but <laughs> it's like you're you're assuming something might go wrong, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I work under that impression. Versus, okay, I'm this is great if nothing goes wrong. I'm you know. The I'm I'm in a steel seventy two in a in a thin wetsuit anyway. Yeah, no, no, that's the that mentality. Spot yeah. on, that that's spot on, perfect of yeah. of what we're trying to discuss right here, right? Yeah. Can you go to a, a hundred and forty feet on a steel seventy two? Well, of course you can. Can you do can it you safely? Go, <laughs> can yeah. you do it safely? You, 
people that have done it in the past with, with that old thinking could certainly argue that they've done it safely themselves. But when you present a situation like this and you, you look at, well, this is an alternative way of, of thinking through the dive with the assumption of problems occurring, knowing that you've got the gas to deal with this air sharing situation that we're having to deal with in this one circumstance, which could happen again. Thinking from the back end of the dive of everything going wrong rather than thinking from the, the front end of the dive, hoping nothing goes wrong. You would th thought that after four decades, <laughs> you would see less of the latter. Right. Yeah, the old, you know, plan, you plan your dive with the, uh, the idea of if the shit hits the fan at the furthest, deepest point of my dive, what do I need to get myself and my partner out of there safely? You know, what do I need to have? Yeah, that's the way we that's the way we plan. Right. But, but I mean it, it, and then everybody's going to sit there and go plan your dive, dive your plan. Yeah, I learned that in my scuba class. That's what I do. Well, well then how the hell does this happen? Because the plan was at 10 minutes if you've got 1000, you're good to go for the duration and then you you're there for the duration. If not, you go back up. <laughs> right, right. So <laughs> the, there's the all these things, right. there's all these variables that enter the enter the dive that weren't in the plan. So that's what messed it up, right? It was the current that wasn't in the plan that messed it up. It was the breathing gas faster that wasn't in the plan that messed it up. It was having less air than I should have had that I let enter the plan that wasn't planned in there. That So plan your dive, dive your plan. There's a difference between planning the ideal dive and hoping the ideal dive occurs than planning for emergencies and diving the dive in a way that you can stay within that plan. Two, two completely different games. Yes, agreed. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the, the caveat should be have a well-thought-out plan for the dive. I think that was what was missing. The, the, the point of view or the direction to come from with your plan. Not just, well, this is what we want to accomplish, and here's, here's a way to do it versus this is what we want to accomplish. What do I need if all hell breaks loose at the furthest, deepest point of this accomplishment? Here's my plan. <laughs> I've got a 140-foot snorkel. <laughs> it's coiled up I'm gonna in my go pocket. Down, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down and I'm going to stay for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, wait, wait. That's not a good plan <laughs> because the, I easily can see a problem with this. I mean, let me change that. I've got a 140-foot dry snorkel. <laughs> yeah, you don't want those waves. Because <laughs> I can get water pouring <laughs> in the top of that. I, gotta get a, I, I need a better plan than that. <laughs> yeah, so like just having a plan, like an unrealistic plan, because you're just assuming everything's going to be just happy, hunky-dory, and you know we're all going to be singing songs and holding hands uh kumbaya. You know, it's kumbaya. At the surface yeah yeah is not logical dive planning it's not a real plan yeah so it's it's not just have a plan it's have a well thought out plan and the uh, the way you have a well thought out plan is end based yes assuming the worst case scenario that mm -hmm. 
we are sharing gas on the way up. How much gas do we need to share gas and finish our proper ascent? So what you're saying is there is a time to assume something during the planning. Yes. That's where assuming works. Correct. Not hindsight assumptions of like, oh. (laughs) Nothing will go wrong. I assumed we were going to get picked up by a submarine. Yeah. There's two different assumings, I guess. You can approach the dive assuming nothing will go wrong and go with the bare minimum to get the dive done. Or you can approach the dive assuming everything will go wrong. You have what you need in case it does, but then you have a great dive if nothing goes wrong. Listen, I I learned this lesson very, very explicitly one time many years ago. True story. I'm listening. There I was. (laughs) So there he was. I assumed because the name of the boat was the Sea Nymph, that there was going to be a bunch of Hawaiian (laughs) Tropic girls working the boat. James was going to get lucky. (laughs) In bikinis, oiling us all down with suntan oil. No. It was Harry, the Harry Dive Master, (laughs) working the boat. Son of a bitch. I learned my lesson. Never assume. A bunch of old salty dogs. So Doug assumed... And he learned, he says, uh, to finish this little uh, article, he says, so I had learned something. Absolutely nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Now he thinks, he thinks if he just has a full 72. Yeah. Let's see if you you agree on (laughs) what he, what he learned. Okay. Although I reflected on how much more useful that knowledge would have been if I had obtained it before the dive. I had also learned some lessons about pride and humility, about the importance of a thorough orientation when diving outside of your home turf, and about dive planning and the importance of all those little rules they teach you, such as having extra tanks for decompression. The most important lesson was so simple. It should have come as a matter of common sense rather than being learned at the expense of a near loss of life. If you don't know, ask. And I can, th- that's a pretty good lesson to have learned at the end. Um, I, I think he still has a lot of lessons he needs to sit down and contemplate. A lot of those assumptions he needs to sit down and contemplate. But that is a good one. If you don't know, ask and don't just assume that things are going to be taken care of for you don't assume that we're just going to follow the computer and not let it go into decompression Mm -hmm. don't assume that well we're gonna have enough gas to finish the dive hopefully don't assume that if i get low i can always go to the dive master for help yeah don't assume that I'm diving in a group, so we're going to come up in a group. <laughs> but those are things that every diver virtually on every dive boat in every travel destination is making constantly. Still today. Still today, yeah. You can go to any uh, any big draw dive destination, and that's what you'll find going on for the for a good portion of the people there. And, and I find this stuff to be so elementary. Yeah. Th- this level of planning that it's 
taught to a very beginner open water diver in my class. Yeah. In in my eyes, it should be everyone understands that limitation is based on the end of the dive. What do I need to get home? Mm-hmm. But as far as the the big picture of what you see, no. it, it's like it's like like I'm out in left field. Well, you are because you know, like, like you- I'm, I am the like like why would you even bother? <laughs> James, because that'll take an extra, you know, forty-five minutes of class, versus hey, just come back with five hundred. See how quick I did that? Oh well, shit! Yeah, here's your card. <laughs> Let's go dive. Just come back with five hundred in your tank. You got to be back on the boat with five hundred in your. Oh, tank. this is so okay. easy. This is so yeah. easy. Versus, you know, my... <laughs> I'm glad I, I'm glad I took my class with you. Yeah, exactly. James would James would still be talking about these. At atas, what the hell is that? Atas is it? Is it atas or atas? He might even be showing them how the tables worked. <laughs> God forbid. Well, hey everybody, if you don't know something, ask Brando at. <laughs> You might be at sorry. Info at the Great Dive Podcast. He'd love to answer some questions for you. you. Might be sorry. Send in your questions to Brando at our email or at our PayPal or at our uh, Facebook page. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to. I'm happy to field those questions. Might not like the answers. If you want a more politically correct answer, a more, <laughs> a more. <laughs> yes, in uh, and in the subject line, put in there. Politically correct answer, or, or politically correct question for Brando, or or non politically correct question for Brando, and he will answer it accordingly. accordingly. Yes. All right, everybody. Uh, should we sign logbooks? I'll assume that we will. <laughs> How about let's not just assume that these these logs let's, are yeah, let's just or these dives are logged. <laughs> Um, you're, uh, you're looking at me. I'm, uh, I'm uh, trying not to look scared. Um. <laughs> Stop looking at me. <laughs> I would have, see, if he was looking at me, I would have thought he had a crush on me or something. Like, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't swing that way. It's cool. That's all you have to say in this politically correct world. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the first. Of the, <laughs> and there's the, there's the first. <laughs> all right, everybody. We'll see you next week. All right, let's roll. Hey, let's be careful out there.